Welcome to another episode of No Challenges Remaining. There's an ocean between us, but my name is still Ben Rothenberg, and over there, that lovely lady in Italy is Courtney Nguyen. Buona sera, Courtney. What up? Ciao. That's all I know how to say. Uh, I'm doing all right. It's, it's Rome. I mean, it can't suck, right? Trying our best to record here. It does sound like Courtney's in like a great Roman amphitheater or coliseum or catacomb or something, but... We're making this work. Yeah, no, I'm just in a empty press conference room that is the media center here is in a makeshift hostel that is oh. happens to be on site at the Foro Italico. So it's a bit uh, it's a bit rudimentary, but it works. It does work indeed. We're very happy to have you here and we're happy to spend a pretty good week of tennis so far, it seems like in Rome. What have your thoughts been of it up close? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, I mean, in terms of the good tennis... Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say just because there's been so many withdrawals and, and and retirements on both the men's and women's side that kind of busted the bracket a little bit. Uh, you know, Sharapova withdrew with a, a virus. Andy Murray with his lower back. You know, just I'm never entirely convinced. As much as I love this tournament, I think Rome is great. I think that it's a wonderful venue and the players love it as well. You know, their hearts aren't really in it. They're they're already looking towards Paris. So I think that that yeah. informs. A bit of the tennis and the results and everything like that. But so far, I mean, we're recording on, on semifinal Saturday. Yep. So, and Serena and Vika are already through. Rafa's on court right now. You know, it's uh, it's shaping up to be kind of a lot of the same, what we've already seen in the clay season. It's true. I think the one sort of newcomer, we'll do women first, I guess. The one person who we haven't heard from in a while is Azarenka, who got through to the final by beating Stoser and Irani, which are not bad clay scalps. She wasn't necessarily dominant in either of them. But she's back, and she's going to get another meeting with Serena, and she won the last one. So do you think there's any reason to be intrigued by Azarenka's week? Um, It's hard, because she did, obviously, both she and Serena had fairly easy draws into the the final, Um, not because of them. I mean, you know, again, the withdrawals and the upsets kind of opened up both of the fields, and so they haven't truly been challenged. You're right that um, Azarenka hasn't looked as convincing. I think that um, her blip against Stozer was a bit surprising, even though we know Sam can play very well. Sam hasn't really played as well as we know that she can as of late on clay. And, you know, she did run Ramshot a bit over Arani today with the six love first set uh, and then winning the second seven five. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have her back. I mean, I think that obviously, you know, it's good to have that intrigue. It'll be interesting to see how that final goes, but Serena has been absolutely just smacking the ball and just looks tremendously focused and calm on court. Hasn't dropped more than four games in a match on her way to the final. Three straight games. Yeah, three straight matches with a bagel set. So, you know, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to bet against Serena in Rome. Yeah, I would, I would think so too. And now she is on her way to possibly having won Rome in Madrid which I just like saying, that it always amuses me. <laughs> so that's what's going on here. Do you? We were talking before in previous shows about how, you know, you definitely hesitate to read anything into Madrid results as they relate to Paris. Do you think that Rome is obviously a little bit easier or maybe fairer to read something into, but do you think there's anything from this week from anybody, not just the people who are still in the tournament or who made a deep run, that it's worth thinking about going into Paris? 
Yes. I mean, I think that this was a good tournament on the whole for Yelena Yankovic. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, she lost to Halep in kind of a crazy match in the quarterfinals. But it was still, you know, she got a good win over Lee Na in heavy conditions, uh, which was great. And, um, you know, I think she needed that, especially after having, you know, had a pretty good run through, um, you know, Charleston and then kind of suffering a, a surprising early round loss in Madrid. So um, I think that was good. I think Stam Stozer's uh, rebound here was good. I think that her performance against Azarenka will give her confidence. And yeah. then on the men's side, I just, I really like what the young, the younger kids are doing. You know, I think that Yurz Yanovitz had a great run here, um, beating both Gasquet and Sanga back-to-back. That was huge. You know, Dimitrov got a, a, a tough draw having to play Gasquet, I think, in the in the opening first or second round. Second yeah. round, I believe. Um, but uh, I think that there's a lot more going into the French. I think there are a lot more names that are potential spoilers. They're not going to win. Benoit. Benoit, exactly, into his first Masters semifinal against Federer later today. So, you know, that's exciting. I I think, you know, we've said this a gazillion times, we want that. Even Golbis. I know that you've talked to Golbis this week, Courtney. I did. Um, what were your thoughts on how he's doing? And I guess especially that Troitsky match, which definitely went kind of viral over stateside here with that meltdown. Yeah, I mean, I talked to him after the Troisky match for a one-on-one. He wasn't requested for press, so it was just me and him and just kind of chatted about a bunch of things. But he's in, you know, I think that he's in a good spot mentally. I think that the way that he, the Troisky match was the best match on clay he's played. You know, I mean, I, I asked him about his kind of subpar clay run leading into Rome, and he started it out, his answer out by being a bit defensive. I said, well, I've lost to some good players. And then as he, like, marched through his results, he was like, oh, well, I should have beaten Ronich, and I kind of went mental against Monaco. And uh, so, you know, what's so refreshing about Golbis is that there's really no put-on with him. He he doesn't just sit there and give you Bull Durham quotes. He he tells you exactly what he's thinking, and generally, for the most part, he's absolutely right in terms of his assessment of himself, of his game, of, you know, other players. So, you know, even though he says that he doesn't, he wants to win and he doesn't want to have just like a good performance. I think that his three set loss to Rafa is definitely going to give him some confidence when he gets to Paris. And it'll be really interesting to see like where he lands up in the draw. Yeah, it should be good. Now with, with Murray potentially out with mm-hmm. Ferrer and not obviously not being a dominant four seed in that part of the, of the draw with Djokovic having some losses recently. It could be an interesting Paris, except for the part where Rafael Nadal wins in the end. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, how has the tournament been looking from stateside? Like, what are your thoughts? I think it's been looking pretty good. I think it's definitely been better than Madrid, um, for sure, especially on the women's side. I'm intrigued also a little bit by some of these people who've been losing early. To switch a little bit to that, like Radvanska has had a terrible clay season, lost first round both times, her first match, rather. And withdrew well, yeah. from and withdrew from Brussels with a shoulder injury. So yeah, the the blonde is not working for her. Clearly. No. And then uh, Wozniacki has not has lost something like four straight matches, three or four straight matches. Mm-hmm. So that's uncharacteristic, to say at least. So I'm just I, I don't know. I think there's a bunch of sort of things going on. There's just so many moving pieces in tennis, and I feel like with not me anyway not being there on clay, it's hard to sort of keep track of all of them and really gauge who's moving in what direction. There's a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. But yeah, it's Djokovic, Djokovic and Radvanska and Wozniacki struggling, I think is all interesting. Definitely. And also seeing Roger play well here. Yeah. You know, I that think was that, surprising too. Yeah, that that surprised me a bit. So so yeah, it's um it's shaping up to be an interesting French Open. You're absolutely right. I mean I think that the most 
kind of, I will feel throughout the week like a kid on Christmas Eve until that draw comes out. I think that will be so, you know, so important. It's impossible to talk about who is the favorite other than Rafa until we see the draw. Yeah. Let's talk about Murray. What is your sense of how Murray's doing and his poor birthday injury? Yeah. You know, it's tough. I, I wasn't in his press conference um, and I didn't watch his match. I was off, I think, watching Sloan. Just kind of heard everything, obviously, through Twitter and then talked to some of the British press that are here. You know, I think they were all really taken aback by what he said, that he said he'd be he would be surprised if he could play the French. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got varying kind of opinions on that. But from the writers that I trust the most, they really kind of said, you know, it was very difficult to tell whether he actually meant that or if he was just talking. In other words, you know, like if he just kind of threw, like, I'd be surprised, like, you know, like, or did he really mean that, that, you know, in terms of determining how serious the injury was? And I guess word came out today that he's going to make a decision on Wednesday that he's been, his back has been scanned. So again, talking to some of the Brit press here, they've kind of said, well, if it was serious, he'd pull out now. Like, why would you wait until Wednesday? So clearly the scan came back and it maybe wasn't as bad as, as, he might have thought but you know do you really put into jeopardy your second half of your season which is like his second half oh yeah that's his part of the season right there Wimbledon he shouldn't do anything to jeopardize that yeah I don't I just don't see what the real upside is for him to play the French Open compromise at all if he's 100% absolutely but anything less than 100% I don't I don't see it on the same page with you there you mentioned talking to Sloan You've done a bunch of interviews with people I know this year. You're, you know, we always called you Courtney the interviewer no end, so that's not surprising <laughs> at all. What is what have been the highlights of it? I know you've talked to a whole lot of Americans, especially. I did, yeah. I talked to a lot of the Americans, and a lot of the stuff will run over the course of the next few weeks. Just, you know, fun Q&As to try and get their personalities out, because I do think that there's a lot to like among, especially the, the young Americans. You know, my highlights, I think, you know, obviously talking to Sloan, getting to finally talk to her about the ESPN stuff. You know, in case you haven't read on Beyond the Baseline, she says that her quote, she thought she was speaking off the record and that... What, what do you make of that? What do you make of that explanation? Oh, I called bull on that. You know, I, I obviously, I reached out to the writer of the article yeah. and she, you know, backed up everything and was like, you know, it was recording. I think the, the best kind of defense she had was at some point they had a, she got a phone call on her iPhone, which is what was recording the interview. And when she got off the phone and put the iPhone back down and resumed the interview, Sloan said, oh, I think your phone call interrupted, you know, the recording. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, someone's going to say what she needs to say, and that's fine. But it's just, you know, it's disappointing to try and peg it, you know, take ownership of it as opposed to, uh, you know, shift the blame in a really illusory way. Do you think that the sense that she's been trying to project and Serena's been trying to project that everything's resolved between them now, do you buy that? Depends on what we mean by resolved. Okay. So, I mean, in terms like, I don't think, well, they were never besties, but I don't think they're still besties. I don't think they're chit-chatting, but I think that... It's been addressed. Anyway. Yeah, it's been addressed. They, they said what they had to say behind closed doors. Neither of them will talk about what the conversation was about, obviously. And they've moved on. And in that way, I think that it's, there's closure between them. So I would believe that. But, you know, we know Serena. We know she never forgets you know, these kind of slights against her. And with Sloan, you know, I was a bit surprised. I mean, she got like two wins here this week and I thought that, you know, she'd be in a bit of a better mood after both. And, you know, not really. She's still a bit reticent, reticent with the media and, and stuff. So... Understandable. I mean, understandable. she just got burned, so... 
She did. She did. So uh, it's tough. So, you know, obviously talking to Sloan was good in that way. But in terms of the more enjoyable interview moments, obviously I did a Q&A with Serena, which was hilarious. We were just cracking up the whole time. Jamie Hampton had me rolling just because <laughs> if you guys. OK, so here's the thing about Jamie Hampton is that she's very like in her press conferences, she comes off as boring and she says that she's boring and she embraces her boringness. But when you talk to all the other young Americans, they adore her. Jamie Hampton is like the most popular of them. Yeah. Even with Serena. Even Serena mentioned Jamie Hampton, which I was shocked by. Total name dropping of, of going to dinner with Jamie Hampton. So random. But so all the young Americans are like, we love, are basically like, we love Jamie Hampton, but like she won't hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically kind of like, I think Madison Keys, I think was like, I asked her, you know, who's your go-to dinner companion at tournaments? And she was like, well, Melanie. I mean, I call Jamie all the time, but she just wants to have room service. <laughs> <laughs> So it, that's quite amusing. But yeah, they, they all seem to really like Jamie. They love Melanie. Melanie is like just a good person, I think, to have in that little cadre of young Americans, which is great. Yeah. She's super optimistic. Yeah. And, fr- and positive and friendly. Yeah. You know, not competitive, just kind of doing her own thing. So, you know, there's a lot to like among all of the young Americans. But yeah, so, you know, did those those interviews, which was which was great. How are you liking the Roman atmosphere? I know this is a tournament you speak very highly of. Is the Pietrangeli still as good as you remembered it? Is all the food and everything? Just speak, take us through your, your tour of Rome <laughs> yeah. in that sense. The grounds are as good as they've always been. Pietrangeli is actually even better because I think two years ago when I went, there was actually ticketed seats in the lower uh-huh. portion of Petrangeli, and they've completely eliminated that. And it's, as far as I know, completely general admission. So that court oh, is constantly good. packed. You know, people are crowded around it. They love it. Um, It's great atmosphere. Super Tennis Arena is still absolutely horrible. But what can you do? And obviously... Every tournament needs that one terrible court. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And then Centrale is is great. I just love how steep the seats are so that you're right on top of the action, even if you're, like, up in the rafters, which is great. So the grounds are great. The food is fantastic, as always, you know, in terms of, like, on, like, site concessions. Like, you know, they can only be so good and... Still like what is what is there? What is there? It's a lot of it's a lot of paninis. Okay. So it's a lot of sandwiches, very very simple sandwiches, um, but they're all like so incredibly tasty. There's like on-site pizza, which is I think really really good. Even though all the Romans I talked to are like, oh, it's horrible. Why do you buy that? I'm like, it's really good. I'm from the states. What do I know? You know that sort of thing. Coffee, beer, wine, champagne, all these sorts of things. So it's champagne. good. Ooh, champagne. Champagne sponsored by Moet. Moet is okay. one of the sponsors. Moet so bedazzling champagne bottles for Fabio Fanini. Exactly. Exactly. But it's great. I mean, the crowds have been really good. They've been breaking records every day. You know, I think that, you know, kind of having a Ronnie Vinci, people don't really realize, like, they're they're not big here, but, like, the Italians support the flag, and so they just go and show up and really cheer these girls on. Natasha Burnett had a huge crowd. Yeah. No, I've been very impressed by how big the Ronnie crowds have been. I mean, against Vika in that semifinal, they were very... It was totally obviously semifinal so it should be full but it, the crowd was very involved for ronnie even when she was getting killed yeah so i thought that was yeah. good to see so i like that i mean i always say if you if you need to go to a clay court tournament like rome is the one the only thing that's rough about it and i think that the tournament is looking to address it is that there are very few practice courts and i think that does frustrate the players 
Um, yeah. A lot of them have to practice off-site. The player hotel has clay courts, so a lot of times they're practicing there. So you don't get to see as many players, I think, on-site practicing. Um, and then the media facilities are absolutely horrible, like absolutely horrible. Like there's yeah. like people are on the verge of revolt. It's ridiculous, the system that's going on, and it actually has really... How is the, How has there not been a strike? It's Rome. Everything <laughs> goes on strike in Rome. So true. I mean, it's, you know, I've been getting a lot of messages on Twitter and via email kind of asking, why hasn't this person done an interview and why not this person? And it's just, if you knew the, like just how difficult it is to like do a press conference here, logistically, it's like so frustrating. Even today, like Serena was announced and we went over there. She was 30 minutes late. We sat there. And so the whole process of being there and having to wait the press conference room is about a 10 minute walk from the media center. Like yeah. it, that's about, it was about an hour at least that I was away from my computer. I wasn't watching tennis and that's just, that makes it really difficult. So you really have to kind of like, okay, is it worth it to request somebody because it's, it's not yeah. going to be easy. Yeah. That's never fun. That's like Miami. Yeah, exactly. No, it made me think of Miami, except that if you just imagine instead of like two flights of stairs, you had to climb like 10 flights of stairs. Oh, not good. Yeah, it's not great. But I mean, in general, the players have been in a really good mood this week. And um, so they've been quite chatty. And particularly, I think the women have been have been in good spirits. Serena's been good. Vika, you know, Maria was. So, you know, that's been it's been good to see. So what if your what if your highlights off tournament been food wise, <laughs> gelato wise? I'm hearing about a lot of gelato. Oh, so much gelato. Um, yes, I've done my kind of independent investigation of the best gelato joints in Rome over the course mm-hmm. of three years since I've been here. So I finally have my like my rankings. So that felt pretty good. What are your rankings? So there's Break it down uh, for us. Yes. Yeah, so my number one is this place called the Old Bridge Gelateria, which is right outside the Vatican City walls. And it's just great gelato and they give you huge portions. So it's just like really decadent in that way and kind of childlike you know kind of walking down the street with like this ridiculously large waffle cone full of delicious um creamy gelato and then this other place called giolitis i think i think it's a place that the obamas went to when they were in rome but that place is awesome as well slightly smaller portions but the flavors are great and it's really big and it's nice and then there's a smaller kind of boutique gelato place called san crispino which is near the trevi fountain that is like super unique and not unique but kind of like boutique gelato like they take it really seriously and it's kind of like snobby gelato they don't give you very much they have very limited flavors my friend from rome was telling me that the guy who owns it like doesn't think that chocolate and fruit should ever go together so if you try and even order like chocolate gelato with strawberry gelato like they won't give it to you (laughs) so it's a bit of kind of gelato nazi gelato nazi exactly yeah so it's good and the food has always been amazing so yeah and obviously the city stays up until you know two three o'clock so that's been nice because we've been here probably haven't left site before midnight many nights so that is nice so yeah that's not mason no, it's no Mason. Rome is no Mason. <laughs> it's actually on the signs when you enter Rome. It says, Rome, we are, we are not Mason. Exactly. Rome, not Mason. <laughs> so the more important question from my point of view is what has the buzz on the ground there been about Eurovision? No one's, you know what? I'm so stupid. I should have been asking players about it. You should have. You should have. But I didn't even see, I don't even know which players are even paying attention. Do you know? I would assume which players. I think, no, I haven't heard many players mention it this year. I feel like since Dinara's out of the game, she was... I was going to say, Dinara was was always the girl. Yeah. The Germans would probably be... The Serbians are really into Eurovision, actually. 
I bet Djokovic would have talked about it if you'd asked him. Possibly. They had a bad year, though. Yeah, I know that you obviously have been on the Eurovision train yes. uh, this week. So please. I am the Eurovision train. You are the Eurovision train. Just the caboose and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lay it down. Lay it out for me, Ben. We haven't spoken about Eurovision. I want to know what I'm missing. Well, I just wrote a preview of it for those of you who want to check it out in written form. But yeah, so Eurovision starts about three hours from now. I'm watching it at a party at the Swedish Embassy, which I'm very excited about. I went to a Eurovision party there once before that wasn't like a viewing party. It was just like a Eurovision-themed thing, and they brought over all these like former contestants from Sweden. So that was cool. But basically, this year has been a really bad year in terms of song quality. So all of the performances have been like extra, extra over the top to try to compensate for that. And there's been like, you know, there were like Montenegrin rappers in astronaut suits. There's this ridiculous <laughs> Romanian opera guy who just really bizarre. And I can't really describe the words, but there's a video of him on the preview. There's Finnish women having lesbian makeout sessions to support gay marriage there. There's just a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on, a whole lot. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens. Denmark is the odds on favorite. I'm personally thinking that Azerbaijan is going to win. So, you know, we'll see. And it should be a good time had by all. I find it interesting because I've never thought this before until you just said this, that there is any self-awareness within the Eurovision like entries or countries that they would even know that their songs were absolute shit and they needed to make up for it with production value. I think so. I think because the opposite is definitely true. If you think you have a good song, you'll try to do some minimalist, like, single spotlight mic stand kind like, of thing. Like Euphoria? Well, yeah, Euphoria was, like, very stripped down. Oh, Euphoria was kind of an interesting performance in its own way, but it wasn't, like, gimmicky. Right. The gimmicky ones are the ones where you know that they're not feeling so great about themselves. I'm trying to see, like, who else? I'm looking through the fields here. Yeah, the Ukrainian lady gets carried onto the stage by a giant. This, like, eight-foot-tall guy wearing, like, a Viking helmet. And then he he carries her across the stage, like, puts her down in front of the microphone, and then walks away. And that's it. There's, like, no plot to it. It's just, like, this random, <laughs> random giant that carries her on. The Azerbaijan guy is actually fairly gimmicky, but it's really impressive. There's, like, a guy shadow dancing him. His every, like, move mirrored in a glass box. And it's very coordinated and impressive. Goodness. In terms of ones who already went, that's about it. I mean, it's just been been a lot of not very good songs. Not a very memorable year, but they're trying their best to make it worthwhile, which I appreciate. Hey, that's all they can, I mean, yeah, give the people what they want, you know? Yeah, and and the Yugoslav countries that are in it sound terrible. There's not a single ex-Yugoslav country in the final, which is ridiculous. That's pretty brutal, yeah. They usually used to be a powerhouse, like no Serbia, no Croatia, no Slovenia. Bosnia didn't enter this year, no Montenegro, no Macedonia. Rough times for them. They're all playing tennis. They are, yeah. They're kind of taking that over instead, yeah. which I think they're okay with. Good yeah. stuff. Well, I'm sad that I missed it. Well, you can still watch the final tonight. I know that Benoit Pair will probably be getting updates from Stan during his semi about <laughs> what's going on, so you can just join him on that. So true, so true. Benoit has a lot of different things on his mind, whether he wants to have a lot of different things on his mind or not. I think it's exciting having Benoit be relevant. Oh, yeah. It's a very exciting development. You know, I spent the week speaking to him, to Dimitrov, to Golbez, to Janovitz. I just, I love, like, what these guys are bringing to the table. I think they're tremendous personalities. I think that they're obviously really, you know, generally they're pretty articulate, thoughtful. They're funny. They don't take themselves really all that seriously. And, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, it kind of goes with what Golbez told me about you know, the big four and kind of their soft rivalry and how they're all so nice to each other and how he wants it to be a little bit angrier and, and stuff like that, that, 
you know, like have more personality and that's what the people want. And he's dead right. He's dead right. Jimmy Connors would appreciate that. Jimmy Connors very much would appreciate that. And, you know, ever since that Gulp has kind of articulated it and, and stuff, I just, I've seen having gone through kind of the press conferences for Novak and Rafa and Roger every single day that, that it is, you know, it's, I mean, I know that maybe you and I've talked about this offline, Ben, that there are those times where you're just like, it's the same. It's just the same. You don't say anything new. Yeah. You're perfect gentlemen and you say very nice things, but none of it's new and all of it's predictable. And that's, you know, a bit, a bit disappointing. It is. I I did think it interesting though. It seems like from what I saw, of Nadal's press, he was Golbaz has gotten a little under his skin. He did. You saw it on the on the court as well. Rafa was like, you know, whether it was something about Golbaz was getting under his skin, you know, whatever it was, and uh, that's good, you know. And he and he took, you know, he took a bit of a swipe at, at Ernie, you know. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, it's it's a bit difficult because I don't know if all the press conferences are available like uh, uh, on YouTube, but if you mm-hmm. watch like the Golbaz press conference where he says, "I was the better player," like. He's just kind of talking. He's not like, he. I really never saw that as a dig against Rafa. And if you went back and you looked at the stats, you're like, well, yeah, actually he kind of was on every single stat count. Yeah. But he said, you know, Rafa's a champion. You have to beat him. And then so when, you know, somebody, the press told Rafa, he said that, like, you can see Rafa kind of like formulating a smackdown in his head. And he did in his own way. And I liked it. I that's genuinely that's, that's, that's it. more genuine, honest than we talked about before with Rafa, you know, own your, your greatness, you yeah. know. Talk about yourself like you deserve to be what you've done. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a corollary then. When we talk about Serena, how do you feel about this new Serena, this mature Serena, who's been a bit, I think, personally, like more mature and professional with press and Mm -hmm. then the locker room and all these sorts of things? What do you think about the fact that she no longer takes pot shots at anybody? I think it's just because she's completely firmly on top of the mountain right now. I mean, who would she take shots at? I mean, there's nobody who's, like, really she should be afraid of or should be under her skin. Azarenka, maybe, I mean, is a little bit closest to being near her, and it's done a few things to possibly annoy her, but they seem to get along fine. Yeah, I don't, I think it's just, it shows how comfortable she is on court. I think it started on court for Serena and worked its way out. But she's not, right now, she kind of is not one to own her greatness in press conferences. Now, a lot of that, to me, is a put-on. A lot no, of that, that, is, that, that is, probably is true. Right, is, is kind of like a, I, don't, I mean, it sounds a bit harsh to say, but like a, a false humility of, right. you know, but I think that at the same time, much like Rafa, it's a mental trick she play, she's playing with herself to keep yeah. herself hungry. Yeah, for her, because she hasn't been that way the whole time, it seems more clearly tactical. And I guess that makes me sort of appreciate it a little more. I think it's a little bit more transparent. I feel like when she talks about, you know, everyone else is, oh, you know, I'm playing against Redvanska in the next round. She's playing really good. I, it feels a little bit more, I don't know, less believable because she obviously owns Redvanska and Sharapova and whoever else she happens to be talking about. It doesn't really mean anything. Well, that's the thing. It just doesn't really mean anything. You know, that becomes a difficult thing when you're, yeah, when you're trying to get to the bottom of things or, you know, from a reporting standpoint. But I understand from the PR standpoint what she's trying to do and what Roth is trying to do and all this sort of stuff. Uh, But yeah, it would be interesting to see if this Serena, if she felt threatened by somebody, how this Serena would react. It will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if I mean, Sloan was the closest we've come to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really last because of Sloan's form. Mm-hmm. So time will tell. It should be maybe something will happen in Paris. You never know. Never should know. Be a fun, should be a fun slam. It Especially should be. on the women's side. I mean, it's going to be Serena's the one to beat, I think, for sure. But her road through it 
could be very tortured. Yeah, I mean, the more, you know, the whole thing with Serena, the more tortured it is in the on the front end, the more calamitous the whole thing, the whole endeavor is. So if she can blast through her first few rounds without any incident, I think she's... Just the first round, too, especially. Yeah, exactly. I think that she, she'll be okay. She can get through two or three rounds, not drop a set, look absolutely dominant, think she'll be okay. But, you know, I think the weather is one thing to look at for Paris every single day. I think that that's the one X factor that you can never factor into when you look at a draw and, and you map it out. Is is it going to be heavy? Is it going to be hot? Is the ball going to fly? You know, all these sorts of things. So we'll see. We will see. Thank you again for joining us, Courtney. And oh, of course. joining me, Courtney. And for all of you for joining us. We will be back with you once the draw comes out, I think. So a little bit later show next week. We can break that down. Should be fun. And then we'll be with you through the whole French Open as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we'll see you later. Ciao. Ciao means hello and goodbye there, yeah? Yep. Yeah, just like aloha. Exactly. Pretty much. Ciao, Courtney. Ciao, Ben. Between